This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning prop firm, Fidel Crest, and is for entertainment purposes only. After years of using five-minute charts, I can see an incredible amount of things going on on a five-minute chart. On a typical five-minute chart, let's say for the E-mini, which is one of the popular stock index future contract that Americans trade, and the session opens 6.30 California time, 1 o'clock or 1.15 California time. So you got 81 five-minute bars in the day. In a typical day, I see, on an average day, I probably see 40 one-point scalps and 20 two-point scalps, and I probably see 60 or 70 setups on a typical 81-bar uh, chart. I don't take all of them. On an average day, I might take 10, 20, or 30 trades, but I see an incredible number of setups. Now I just sit down, and I try to structure as many good trades as I can a day on my 81 bars. And on a good day, you know, I don't lose anything. You know, I, I might win 100% of uh, the trades. I know several traders, probably many traders, who win about 90% of the time as uh, day traders. And they win just about every day, if not every day. I've never had a year in which I've won every day of the year. You know, I always mess up some way uh, at some point during the year. Uh, my goal in life, I don't know if I'll live long enough to achieve that goal, is to win every day of the year. Episode 217. Folks, we got Al Brooks back on the show after six years. He was episode 40 of my 52 Traders podcast. And what I'm actually doing, because this has been locked away, is I'm re-releasing this right now. You're going to hear that interview. Please give me a bit of slack. It was my 40th interview ever, so I'm probably not the best. Hopefully I've improved over time. But yeah, that's coming up in a second. And what we've done, and even better, is we've got Al Brooks back in the house with a price chart in front of him for about an hour and the guy just breaks down everything that is coming up on the channel in a day so please make sure you check that out after listening to this archived interview that's being re-released all right other things going on here at trading Nut. there's a few more options up there in the robot section of tradingnut.com so i'm opening up a few more things to you folks out there if you do want to check that out there's a link under the video or just go to trading nut and find the robots link click on that uh, there's a couple more new options up there that I know you're going to love. Right, now attention to all those folks out there who are on the free version of TradingView. Now if you're looking to upgrade or get TradingView Pro, I've got a solution for you. So my new sponsor Blackpool Markets actually have a promotion on at the moment. There's a link below the video and you can get access to TradingView Pro with them. So go and check them out, they're New Zealand regulated, they're based here in New Zealand. Well worth going to check them out anyway. So yeah, they have got a TradingView Pro offer, link under the video here or in the card above. The other thing I want to remind you of is my other sponsor, Fidelcrest. Now they're doing a 50k challenge for anyone that wants to come on the trading that live stream and trade the challenge and verification phase of the uh, their 50k challenge and try and pass it on my live stream. So I've got three traders up there already. I'm looking for two more. If you're interested, there's a link in the description below the video here as well. So go and check that out. But first, let's hear from Fidelcrest now and then get on with the interview. Fidelcrest is an award-winning prop firm that funds traders with up to $2 million and offers generous profit splits up to 90%. So one thing that really sets Fidelcrest apart is their no minimum trading days requirement on their challenge and verification stages. On top of that, traders who successfully pass the challenge and verification stages are eligible to receive a bonus payout of up to 30K on top of their funded stage profit split payout on performance. And be sure to use promo code TRADINGNUT, all one word, to get 10% off your next challenge. Click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more. Welcome Al, thanks for joining me here on the 52 Traders podcast this week. I appreciate having the opportunity to speak with your 
group. Thank you very much. Okay, Al, so I've mentioned some of your highlights already, and I know that's only a small part of your story. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about you personally and what first attracted you to trading? Well, I grew up poor, and my mother wanted to have a doctor in the family, so she picked me to be the doctor. And all the time that I was at the University of Chicago, becoming a doctor, becoming an eye surgeon, I wondered if I should be downtown at the Merck or the Board of Trade Trading, and I just didn't have the courage to make the switch. You know, I knew staying as a physician was a sure way to make a lot of money, and I had no idea whether or not I could make money as a trader on the floor of um, the futures or options pits, and um, so I stuck with um, being a surgeon, and I worked extremely hard to save up a lot of money. And in 1989, excuse me, 1988, I had a daughter. And 15 months later, I had identical twin daughters. So I had three daughters under the age of 15 months. And I thought, okay, I saved up a lot of money. I'm gonna stay home and raise the girls. And while doing that, I will also trade more. I started trading in 87, the month before the crash. And back then, they did not have e-minis. They had full-size contracts. On the day of the crash, I had a big surgery schedule. I had to be in the office. I forgot what time, by 8 o'clock or 8.30 or something like that. And on the day of the crash, I sorted, shorted 13 e-mini contracts. Excuse me, 13 S&P contracts, which today would be um, the equivalent of five times that. So, you know, 65 contracts or something. And I had to close out before I went to work. You know, the market started going, it went up actually on the morning of the 1987 crash initially. And I ended up closing out the position. I think I lost $5,000. And then as I was driving into work on the radio, I could hear uh, the reports that the stock market's going down. Nobody knows how far down it's going, but it's just going down. And uh, the, the drop is far beyond what the computers are able to uh, follow. And at the end of the day, had I held on to my 13 S&P contracts, I would have made $400,000 on the day. Unbelievable. And, yeah, which is crazy. And that day I decided that, you know, that there's pretty good upside to being a full-time trader. And well, a couple of years later, when my girls were born, I decided to go ahead, stay home, sell my medical practice, stay home and become a full-time trader, which I did. And when you start out, everyone who starts out, unless you're at Goldman Sachs or at some major bank and they put you in some kind of training program, you have to kind of figure it out yourself. And back then in the 80s, the, the internet, well, there was not much on the internet, but when you subscribe to magazines, the ads were, looked very attractive and appealing. You know, I want to help you uh, use my software, take my training course. And, you know, I took courses. I, uh, had tutors, I um, bought all kinds of software that was guaranteed to make me rich, and every, you know, I spent a lot of money on all kinds of help, and either the people were simply incompetent, which most of them were, or they were uh, in, dishonest. You know, some, I know at least two or three of the software companies were ultimately uh, charged with fraud. So there was no really good source of information. Back, I, I learned in medical school that you know 
the best way to learn something is to just study it, study it, study it from someone who's doing it really well. And I assume that all these books, I read everything, all these books, all these articles, all these websites, you know, all these people were there to help me. And I was losing money and I kept losing money and I lost money for about 10 years. So I decided that, you know, somebody's making money doing this because I'm losing it. Somebody's making my money. So, so there, there is an ability to make money out there, uh, but I simply did not have it. And using my doctor's approach to learning was, was a failure. You know, trying to copy what other people are doing, you know, reading, studying, uh, it's all garbage. And ultimately, I concluded that these people, some of them are, are honest, but don't know how to do it. A lot of them are dishonest, and they don't care that they don't know how to do it. So I decided to strip away everything. Back then, there was a big push. I mean, it was just assumed that if you're going to trade, you have to use all kinds of indicators, you know, bands and oscillators and, um, you know, GAN lines. GAN lines were actually popular back then. Nobody uses them anymore because... You know, they're, they're a fraud. So I, my computer screens, I had multiple monitors. I had, um, you know, all kinds of indicators all over my screens. And, you know, eventually I started to write my own indicators. And I started to realize that indicators are just another variation of a price chart. You know, you're, you're weighting different factors, but anything that you see on an indicator, you can see on a price chart. So I started to remove all of my indicators. And I left myself with simply a price chart, no, no, average, no, no moving averages, no nothing on it. I've tried every kind of time frame, you know, tick charts, volume charts, one minute charts, 60 minute charts, um, all kinds of other kinds, all kinds of other charts over the years. And I like rhythm. I like predictable rhythm and time charts give me that. I know that the chart's going to, the bar is going to close in five seconds and 10 seconds and one second. I like that. Whereas you don't know that with, volume charts or tick charts. Also, the trend lines on time charts are extremely reliable. A lot of computers use them. I mean, they clearly use them because they're very, very reliable. So I settled on using a time chart, and I've tried using smaller time frames, like one-minute charts and two-minute charts. I was making too many mistakes. And then if you use higher time frames, you know, 15-minute charts, 60-minute charts, it doesn't really make sense to sit in front of the computer all day and do that. I like sitting in front of the computer. I like look, watching every tick during the day. And ultimately, I settled on a five-minute chart. And after years of using five-minute charts, I can see an incredible amount of things going on on a five-minute chart. On a typical five-minute chart, let's say for the E-mini, which is one of the popular stock index future contract that Americans trade, and the session opens 6.30 California time, one o'clock or one fifteen California time. So you got um, eighty-one five-minute bars in the day. In a typical day, looking at eighty-one um, bars, I see on an average day I probably see forty one-point scalps and twenty two-point scalps, and I probably see sixty or seventy setups on a typical eighty-one um, bar chart. I don't take all of them. On an average day, I might take 10, 20, or 30 trades, but I see an incredible number of setups. So on 81 bars, you know, I see at least one setup on every um, one or two bars. So I don't need indicators, and I also don't need a 15-minute chart. I also don't need a Globex chart. I also don't need 
on charts of anything else because on that one chart, I'm seeing 40 or 50 trades a day out of 81 bars. So I don't need anything else. And that's what I do. I, now I just sit down and I try to structure as many good trades as I can a day on my 81 bars. And on a good day, um, you know, I don't lose anything. You know, I, I might win 100% of uh, the trades. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, there's, there's an organization called the NFA, Natural Fu National Futures Organization. And so I have to be careful about what I say I personally do because I don't want to be audited by the NFA. Al, you said X, you know, uh, we want to look at all your trades for the past two years. You know, give us records of all your trades. You know, I'm 64 years old and I don't want to be audited by anybody. So let me speak in generalities. I know several traders, probably many traders who win about 90% of the time as uh, day traders. And they win um, just about every day, if not every day. Um, I don't, I've, I've never had a year in which I've won every day of the year. You know, I always mess up some way uh, at some point during the year. Uh, my goal in life, I don't know if I live long enough to achieve that goal, is to win every day of the year. But, you know, invariably there's some day which um, has a couple fake out moves early and I lose. And then um, the day enters a very quiet training range or I'll have a doctor's appointment and I'll have to run. In the middle of the day. Something will happen. So at the end of the day, I've lost money, but I never lose um, much money. Folks, I'm excited to tell you about my new sponsor, Black Bull Markets. They are based here in New Zealand and they're a New Zealand regulated broker who offers up to 500 to 1 leverage and over 26,000 tradable instruments. You can trade Forex, shares, commodities, indices, crypto, and they're an award-winning brokerage firm here in Asia Pacific with dedicated 24-7 client support and no minimum deposit. To trade with Black Bull Markets today, click the link in the description below or in the card above. Cool. Um, it's a really, it's a really good story there, Al. Um, have you got more more to it? Because I'm going to ask you some questions that dive a little deeper on some of those things um, okay. throughout the show. Go ahead. Why don't you ask me? Okay. So, well, the first one I've got is you mentioned uh, that Garn lines, uh, uh, you know, there's a fraud. What what did you mean by that, and where does that sort of come from? Because that's the first time I've heard that. Okay, I could, you know, Garn lines are dependent upon your bar compression, you know, how many bars you have on the chart, and there's so many variables that um, I I don't know of anyone who consistently makes money using Garn lines. And, you know, it's just a, for, a form of trend line. There are, another, there are other things out there that are pretty fraudulent. A lot of Fibonacci stuff is fraudulent. Uh, just the, the, the basis, the logic behind Fibonacci is nonsense. That there's this magic spiral of numbers that, um, you know, the entire world operates on. And that's just total nonsense. Um, I can tell you that a 50% retracement is extremely important. A 50% extension, 100% extension, those are extremely important. Coincidentally, they're Fibonacci numbers, but they're not important because they're Fibonacci numbers. You know, I could talk for an hour about the mathematics of why uh, a 50% retracement is important or why um, a two-thirds or a 75% retracement is important. It has nothing to do with Fibonacci. It has all to do with risk and reward uh, and probability. So, um, you know, so there are all things, a lot of things out there that look like they're the cause of something where, where in fact they're just correlated and um okay. you know fibonacci numbers is you know 
And if enough people trade Fibonacci's, they would be important. But I, I really don't think enough people pay attention to 62% and 38% and then all the minor ones in between. You know, most traders are just dealing with 50% or, or approximations. You know, if you look at an E-mini chart, and let's say an average day has 10 points. An average day now is more than 10 points, but an average day has 10 points. And uh, four, four ticks per point. So an average day has 40 ticks vertically from top to bottom. And if you look at all the reversals during the day and you include a higher time frame charts and over the past several days, there are probably 40 Fibonacci levels during in the, in the course of a day. So that means just about everything in the day is at a Fibonacci price level. And Fibonacci traders don't worry about things being precise. Let's say the market goes you know, four ticks beyond a 62% retracement. They'll say, oh, well, it hit a 62% retracement. So if every Fibonacci line has a band of four ticks above or below it, you know, you're talking about every price on the chart as being a Fibonacci level. Um, you know, so to me, it's it's not helpful at all. The same with, well, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk too much about um, all of um, all of the things out there that are fraudulent, but you know, for the most part, Fibonacci's are fraudulent. GAN is fraudulent. Um, most oscillators are uh, fraudulent and, and useless. So, you know, to me, I, I'm mainly interested in: is the market going up? Is the market going down? How strongly is it going up? How strongly is it going down? I look at every bar in the chart, and at every instant during the day, I'm asking myself: Are there more buyers? Are there more sellers? When the bar closes. I ask myself, above the high of this bar, are there more buyers or are there more sellers? At the low of that bar, what do I think is likely? Are there more buyers or are there more sellers? And you know, if you think about it, if you if you let's say the market's going sideways, and then above the high of the bar, you know there are stock entry traders. There'll be bulls buying one tick above the high of the bar, and there'll be bears selling one tick below the low of the bar. The flip side of that is limit order traders taking the other side of the trade. So let's say we have a bar and we know, and let's say it looks like a buy signal. You know there are bulls buying one tick above the high, high of that bar. Well, guess what? Half the time I'm selling with a limit order at the high of that bar, taking the other side of the trade, betting that there are more sellers than buyers above that bar. And the same is true below the bar. There are always going to be traders saying, oh, if it goes one tick below this bar, it's going down. So there'll always be stop order traders selling one tick below the low of the current bar. Well, half the time, approximately, maybe more, I'm placing a limit order to buy the low of the current bar, betting that the bear breakout will fail. You know, most breakouts fail, most stop orders in general. Um, it's, it's the way traders should trade. Most traders starting out should trade with stops, but most of the bars on the chart a stop order is a losing strategy. Most of the bars in the chart are in a fairly narrow range and buying above, selling below, a losing strategy. And so for most of the bars on the chart, I am doing the opposite. I'm looking to sell above bars. I'm looking to buy below bars. If the market's in a trend, that's another story. You know, I am looking for stop entry trades as well as limit order trades. If the market's in a trading range and it's reversing up from the bottom, I will take a stop entry trade, but during most of the bars on the chart, um, a trader stands to make more money 
using entering with limit orders and using wide stops, wide protective stops, and scaling in and trading small. So, so um, what you're talking about, I mean, that sounds a little bit like um, looking at order flow, but I'm guessing you don't look at order flow, or do you? You know, I do not. I have uh, a friend who uh, runs one of my websites, the Brooks Trading Course web website, uh, who uh, a year or two ago tried to sell me on depth of market trading and order flows and all that. And um, I told him that I don't need to look at uh, a depth of market uh, or order flows. I can see, I, I know where the orders are, you know. Uh, he's telling me about iceberg orders. You know, I don't. I know where the iceberg orders are. I can look at a chart and I know that at a certain. I know where the support. I can see all kinds of support and resistance during the day, and I know that there are huge orders at all of those prices. I know. I, I see them. I, I. I. I don't need that stuff to. See. I, if you can read a chart, you know. You know all this stuff. You know. If you can read a chart, you don't need indicators to tell that the chart's about to reverse or a trend is about to resume. You can see on the chart, you know what what traders are doing on the E-mini. Every tick is important. You know, sometimes I hear somebody say, "Oh, it's just noise." That's total nonsense. Anytime I hear a person says, "Oh, the market's it's just noise," anytime I hear that, I think either the person is ignorant and they just haven't taken the time to understand what the market is doing, or um, they simply they you know, they're either lazy or ignorant. Everything matters. The computer, the, like the E-mini right now, probably 70% or more of the trades are conducted by computers. And those computers are operating based upon logic, algorithms, and on ideas that have been tested. And that's not noise. You know, that's it's all logic. So, you know, I think it's better to take um, the other side of that argument and say there, there is no such thing as noise. Everything that happens, happens for a reason. These computers are not randomly spitting out trades. Every one of those trades by every one of those computers, by every one of those firms is being done for a logical reason. So nothing, nothing is noise. Everything makes sense. And usually if you're, if you study charts and you understand what every little bar is doing, every little tick is doing, every, uh, every little piece of support and resistance is doing, um, you know, you know where the orders are and it doesn't take long you to see you know what they're doing are the orders buy orders or are they sell orders um, so no I pay attention to order flow you know, and, I, and so so do you um, are you would you say you're more of a discretionary trader or are you using mechanical rules to pick your entries and, and exits I'm entirely discretionary you know but you know I, I do things I have a bunch of I have accumulated accumulated a lot of knowledge over the years also, back in the 90s, I spent probably 10,000 hours computer testing just about every idea I could think of. And I also designed a lot of automated strategies. And I traded a lot of automated strategies. And I decided that I'm just too controlling and too obsessive to be an automated trader. Because every time I'd see a signal trigger, I'd look at the chart and say, well, you know, I understand that I tested it and it looks like it's profitable, but there are things going on here that uh, there are variables that are, that, that are not that I did not consider in my system and I really should consider them. So I kept overriding all of my uh, systems. A lot of what I do, people can automate. And I know, you know I've, been, I've been 
a lot of people have contacted me over the years asking me either to work with them to help them automate or to tell me that they've automated different ideas and they're doing really well with them. We'll have to talk further because I, I run a course on teaching people how to automate their training. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to talk further on that. Um, right, so let's move on with the show. So for those listening for the first time, we're about to enter a round I like to call the fundamentals. And this is where I'll be asking Al to tell us stories that will help you understand what makes him a successful trader. So uh, you've already given us some of these insights, but I'm going to ask you for a few more. So things like, um, I suppose, you've told us your trading style, um, if you've got a particular strategy you use, which is sounds like you use many um you told us your time frames winning percentages uh instruments that's all been said but what about things like um drawdowns what what's your typical sort of drawdown and maybe your risk to reward ratio okay let me on drawdowns i i don't get big drawdowns um you know so you know in general traders who have been doing this a long time uh they have many accounts they don't trade every account every day. I have many accounts and I trade many accounts every day for different reasons. And some of them are linked together. Um, and there are other accounts I don't trade. And, you know, in terms of actual dollars, you know, I'm never going to be risking, you know, more than one or 2% of um, my trading accounts uh, on any one trade. So, and I, you know, sometimes I'll get two, two losers in a row. Rarely I'll get three losers in a row, but uh, I'm never going to be risking uh, all that much. And, uh, and in terms of um, risk to reward ratio, I suppose it's no, quite high then. Or let me just say something about that. I think yeah. that's important. And you know, when I hear traders on television talk about risk reward, it's really deceptive because there are actually three variables. Risk and reward implies there's math. You know, how many dollars are you risking? Dollars, that's an amount. How many how, how many dollars are you trying to win? That's an amount. That's math. But you know, risk and reward is meaningless unless you also talk about probability, right? Every trade, every trade that every trader takes, they're taking either for risk reward or for probability. Nobody can get both. Nobody can get a great risk reward trade that has a high probability of success, right? There always has to be a reason for the, somebody to take the other side of your trade. So if your trade has a really high risk reward ratio, the other guy, you have very little chance of winning. You have a very low probability. The person taking the other side has a high probability of winning. Um, in general, shorter time frame traders, scalpers, I, I mostly scalp, have a very high winning percentage. But we end up taking trades that have very bad risk reward. So in other words, very little reward relative to the, to the risk. But if you win a high enough percentage, you can offset the bad risk reward. And traders who are looking for really high risk reward trades, you know, really great reward, very little risk, you know, they're going to lose most of the time, right? So if, if you're risking, let's say you, you buy, you buy something, you buy Apple stock and you're going to risk one penny, right? You're not going to lose very much, right? So your risk reward ratio is fantastic. You're, you know, you're risking one penny and you're trying to make $10, right? So a fantastic risk reward uh, setup on that trade. What's the probability of success? You know, yeah, like very low. one in a million. Yeah. Right? On the other hand, let's say you have a limit order to take profit on, on Apple and, um, and you've already made $7 on Apple and the market gets really close to your limit order. And now your stop is maybe a dollar away. And, uh, and Apple is now one penny away from your profit target. What are you going to do? Okay. So at that instant, 
your reward is one penny, right? There's only one penny left to your reward. And at that instant, you're still risking $1. Your stop is a dollar away. Okay. So, um, you know, you're risking, you know, at that instant, you're risking a um, hundred pennies to make one penny. So you have a horrible risk reward setup. Are you going to exit at the market? No, you're not. You're going to hold. So at that instant, you know, you believe your probability of success is really, really high because otherwise you're crazy. You know, you can't be, you cannot be risking a dollar to make one penny unless you're very, very confident of uh, making a profit. But the, the point that I'm making is every trade, whenever I hear somebody talk about risk reward, I think that they're really, uh, I don't, I, don't, I want to be polite. I think they haven't thought enough about uh, what they're doing. You have to consider probability. And sometimes you'll hear that. You know, I watch options action and sometimes they'll talk about risk reward. And then sometimes someone will actually say, oh yeah, but you're probably not gonna win. What they're saying is they are fast in probability. Usually when I hear people talk about risk reward, they're implying that they're taking the trade because they think there's at least a 50% chance of winning. They never say that, but that's what they're implying. So whenever they're saying, oh, this, this trade is a good risk reward setup, well, I mean, that, just saying that by itself is nonsense. You have to talk about probability. What they're implying is it has a good risk reward set uh, ratio and it has a pretty good chance of success. In other words, the probability is 50%, you know, sometimes 40%, 50%, 60%. On any trade, 90% of all uh, bars on the chart, on any chart, you, you could buy or sell and you have between a 40 and 60% chance of success. When 10% of the bars on the chart are in a strong breakout, up or down, and during those times, you know, the probability is overwhelmingly one direction. If you're in a very strong bull breakout, it's very hard to make money selling. But all the other bars in the chart, if it's a bull channel or a bear channel or a trading range, you could buy or sell at any given instant and have no worse than a 40% chance of making money and no better than a 60% chance of making money. Okay, and, that's a nice way to look at it. You know, I mean, that's, that's the math. And if you think about it, if you look at any bar on a five-minute chart, you know, let's say an evening chart, thousands of contracts are being traded. So that means there are thousands of contracts being sold, thousands of contracts being bought, and you know, it's not like one side is smart and the other side is stupid. Both sides believe they can make money. And that's what I'm saying. You know, during 90% of the bars on the chart, you can make money either buying or selling if you structure the trade correctly. If you use wide stops and scale in and use sensible wide stops and scale in. And that's why there's so much volume being take, taking place on every bar and every chart because the computers are doing just that. They're structuring the trades uh, well. They, the computers know they have between a 40 and 60% chance of winning and they trade small enough so that they can use wide stops and scale in, and that greatly increases their probability of, um, of being profitable. It's at the price of risk using wide stops, right? But if you structure your trades correctly during 90% of the bars on any chart, you can make money either as a buyer or as a seller. Okay, cool. Hey, um, just I'm just going to stop you for a second. Uh, there's something going, something sort of, your microphone. Um, I wonder if there's a loose connection or something. Uh, I keep getting like this buzzing, and then like a beep, and then um, 
just now it's just flipped back to having this background noise. That's my air conditioner. Let me let me flip it off. Yeah. Ah, okay. You're you're in the middle of winter. I'm in the middle of summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Give me a moment. Let me go turn it off. You got the air conditioning on. I've got I've got a heat pump on. Okay, I just flipped the switch. It might take a minute. Okay. To and there's a off. there's a there's still something some sort of background noise because it disappeared. It's, you started off fine, then it went for the first bit. You had this background noise. And then all of a sudden it just stopped, and then it's just come back in the last one minute. The air conditioner just came on a minute ago. Oh, did before, it? Before we spoke, I turned the air conditioner on to make the house really, really cold so that the air conditioner would probably not come on again while, oh. we, while I was speaking. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe 95 degrees out there, so the air, 95 degrees Fahrenheit, so uh, the air conditioner came on. Okay. But, it, it should. I, I just flip the switch, and sometimes okay. it's a minute to turn off. But that is the background noise that's ah, messing. Okay. Up. All right. Hopefully, um, uh, you don't start sweating too much. No. <laughs> um, okay. I'll, I'll move on with the next question. So, what does your uh, typical trading day look like? Well, I I get up about five o'clock every morning, and uh, sometimes I lift some weights. I have some weights in my my office. You know, for several days a week, I lift weights. Um, uh, and then in between sets of lifting weights, I'm running a blog. And um, I'm, I write a blog for my websites about what I think the trading day will be like. You know, do I, do I think today will be a trading range day? Do I think it will go up? Do I think we will go down? Um, and, uh, and then I'm looking at charts. So I'm drawing lines. I'm always drawing lines on charts. So I'm always looking for measured moves. I'm looking for trend lines. I'm looking at um, the five-minute moving average, the 60-minute moving average plotted on a five-minute chart. And I'm looking at yesterday's high, other significant prior highs and lows. And I'm looking at you know, yesterday, was it a trend day? Was it a trading range day? If it was a trend day, was it climactic? So I'm trying to get a sense of, you know, for example, if yesterday was a very strong trend day, I know that there's a 50% chance that there'll be follow through buying today on the open uh, for the first hour or two. I also know that there's a 75% chance that the, today will have at least two hours of sideways to down trading and it will start by the end of uh, the first, by the end of the second hour. And finally, I know that there's only a 25% chance if yesterday was a very strong bull trend day, there's only a 25% chance that today is going to be a very strong bull trend day. So I'm, I'm looking at yesterday, I'm looking at support and resistance, and I'm uh, making uh, drawing lines on the chart, just trying to get a sense of what the market is doing. When I was your age, a lot of times I would uh, start trading at 5 o'clock as soon as I get up, and sometimes I would uh, trade into the evening. And there have been nights when I've traded all night long. Uh, back then I used to trade currencies instead of Forex. Now I trade Forex. But you know now that I'm getting to be an old guy, and uh, I don't need the money. Um, I can um, I can be more selective and have a a more predictable um, workday. Cool. Okay. And so in the beginning, what do you think differentiated you from the average mum or dad trader out there? So what traits did you have, and what actions did you take? Well, early on, you know, I applied my you know medical school approach to learning, and you know, I just you know, read all that stuff and had all these tutors and went all, took all these classes and everyone was pushing indicators. 
And to me, it was just hiding the underlying truth. And the underlying truth is price, and I can see it on a chart. So for years, I just assumed that I had to have all those indicators. And, you know, 10 years after 10 years of losing, I got rid of all of them. And I just started looking at the bars. And, you know, if you just print out a chart of any market at the end of the day, it's pretty easy to see, oh, it's going up here. If I, made, if I bought, I would make money. Oh, look, it's now going down. And it's going down pretty strongly. If I sell here, I'll make money. I don't need indicators. I don't need a course. I don't need anybody. You know, a 10-year-old kid can see that. So that became the basis for my trading. You know, just looking at what the bars are doing and try to get a sense of, you know, will the market go up? Will it keep going up? Will it go down? You know, will it keep going down? And, um, and if it's all sideways, what's the best way to trade it? In general, if it's, if it's sideways, I'm looking to buy below prior lows, buy more lower and get out quickly, scalp. If it's going sideways, I look to sell above prior highs and sell more higher and then uh, scalp. So buy low, sell high, uh, scale in, use wide stops and scalp. Okay, that's good good advice out there. Uh, so if you're a retail trader working a day job, what steps would you take to start earning an income as a trader? And people ask me that um, fairly regularly, and everyone's aware that you know if your uh, work hours totally overlap the trading day, you cannot be a day trader. But a lot of people, the market opens, especially if you work in the West Coast, the market opens early enough so that you can trade for an hour or two before before you have to go to work. And then alternatively, you could trade, you know, if you have, uh, depending on where you are, you know, the Forex markets are active pretty much most of the time. Uh, the longest dead zone in the Forex market is right after the New York Stock Exchange closes. and uh, But then it picks up again, you know, uh, in the middle of the night, middle of the night, California time around midnight. So, um, you know, most traders, most traders can find hours during the day when some market is open, open, and they can find several hours during the day when some market is open. So I would just try to find a block of time and start to trade. If okay. most traders, when they're starting out, don't have a huge account, so you know, trading the e-mini and you know, trading some of the European markets, some of the bond markets, they can't do it. But, uh, and also stocks, you know, a lot of, there are minimum account sizes in the United States. If you're going to become a day trader, you know, if you're going to be placing a lot of trades, you have to meet certain account minimums. And then the alternative is uh, Forex markets. And Forex markets, I think, are a good starting place for a lot of traders because you can have a small account and you can trade really, really small. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a valid point. I mean, I did start off uh, with options and quickly moved into Forex after realizing that, you know, there was a lot of money uh, that you had to put at risk um, initially just to, you know, take even a few trades. And as soon as you started losing it, the emotional thing was quite difficult for someone who's just starting out. So ended up moving to Forex where it, you, you can, you know, essentially practice and until you do um, feel more confident and get control of those emotions. So uh, can you explain to the listeners your preferred trading strategy? So the ins and outs of how it works and why you chose this type of strategy over the others. Well, you know, I, I'm always thinking of, of the market in terms of a cycle. That it's either in a trend or in a trading range. And trend, it can be a very strong trend to break out or it could be in a channel. And so, you know, my favorite strategy is just to see what the market is doing. Is it in a strong breakout? I love strong breakouts, right? 
uh, it's the highest probability time for trading. But like I said, high probability means smaller reward and less risk. By the time you've had a big breakout, there's probably not much left to the move and your stop is far away. And then when the market starts to enter a channel, I start to uh, do limit order trades uh, against the channel once the channel uh, starts to become broad. So, um, you know, I'm very happy trading in channels as well. And then in a trading range, like I said, uh, I like trading ranges, you know, buy low, sell high, scalp. Uh, I use wider stops. I scale in. Um, so for me, it doesn't matter. There's, the market can do one of three things. It can be in a breakout, you know, no pullbacks. It can be in a channel, which is a trend with uh, a lot of pullbacks, or it can be in a trading range, which is just a sideways channel. And I don't, I don't have a favorite. You know, I, I, I trade all of them, and I'm very comfortable with all of them. The key is recognizing uh, which one is going on right now. And a lot of times uh, the market's in a transition and you can't tell. And um, anytime I'm confused, that's my radar telling me the market's in a trading range. Even if it doesn't look like a trading range, if I'm confused, it's in a trading range. And I'm looking to buy low, buy more lower. I'm looking to sell high, sell more higher. And I'm looking to get out with a quick profit. The one thing when I'm confused, the one thing I'm confident of is that the market's not going to go very far. Right. And if the market's not going to go very far, I'm not going to be swing trading. I'm, I'm going to be looking for, for scalps. Cool. And um, so if you had to dive a little deeper, thinking about a price chart, what three things would you recommend a novice trader educate themselves on when reading a chart? Well, first thing, and first thing I would learn um, the market cycle. You know, Learn to be able to distinguish a breakout from a uh, channel and from a uh, trading range. And uh, I would get some sense of strength. So a lot of times the market will be in a channel. So and then it'll go back up. Let's talk about a bull. So a lot of times it'll pull back and then it'll start going up again. It'll pull back and it'll start to go up again. You know, I, I would pay attention to um, how deep the pullbacks are. Are they only lasting one or two bars or are they lasting 10 or 20 bars? In other words, are the, are, is the market making big swings? If the pullbacks are... When traders start to see pullbacks, they're always trying to fade. They're always looking, let's say a bull channel. Once traders start to see pullbacks, they start imagining tops. But if the pullbacks are only a bar or two or three, and they're not very deep, you know, um, if you look at a higher time frame chart, 15-minute chart, 60-minute chart, that bull channel on the five-minute chart is, in fact, a very strong breakout on the 15-minute or 60-minute chart. So if the pullbacks are not deep, if they're only lasting a bar or two or three, and they're not falling down many points, even though you're seeing pullbacks only trade in the direction of the trend, I think that's a really common cause of losses. People start seeing pullbacks, so they start seeing reversals, and they start taking opposite, um, you know, they start betting on uh, the opposite direction. One of the natural things that a beginner is always going to, focus on is risk, right? You work so hard to save some money so that you can start trading and the money becomes really precious. And when they look at any trade, all they think about is one variable, risk. And I, I said that there are three variables, you know, risk, reward. You always hear people talk about risk, reward, and then probability. And I think probability is the most important of the three. But when a trader starts out, they, uh, all they think about is risk. I cannot lose this money. You know, it's like death. It's my death. Of, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll die as a trader. If I blow this account, uh, you know, my trading career is over. My dream is dead. 
and they focus a lot on risk. And, and that's a mistake because when you focus on risk, you're naturally going to be looking for trades that have the smallest risk, which usually means that the market is going up, you're looking to sell because the stop is just above the high of this bar, right? But you're ignoring probability. And you know, anytime you're taking a low risk trade, you're taking a low probability trade. So I think one of the mistakes traders do is they tend to um, look for reversals when the trend is going on. And then another, so, uh, so in other words, a trend, when it's channeling up, it's going to keep going up. 80% of reversals are going to fail and you're going to lose money. So yes, your risk is small, but if you're losing 80% of the time, you're going to lose money. On the other, let me just flip it over and go to a trading range. A trading range is filled with two-legged moves, two legs up, two legs down. And the second leg is usually extremely strong. People are naturally hopeful. Everyone's hopeful. I mean, it's a survival skill, and I think it, um, I think it was bred into us. You know, if um, you know, if you're a caveman and you didn't find any food today, and you just give up hunting, you're going to die. But if you keep, if you persistently keep looking for food, eventually you'll find food and you'll survive. And the the the, the people who are hopeful get selected out, and their genes become. Um, a very big part of our, our population. I think people are naturally hopeful. And because of that, you know, when the market's in a trading range, I think traders are always hopeful that, oh, look how fast it's going up. It's going to be a breakout and we're soon going to get a trend. So they buy a very strong bull bar at the top, betting on that the trend is going, that it's the start of a trend. They sell a very strong bear bar at the bottom thinking that, wow, this time for sure, we're going to break out and this is going to be a big trend. But if you're buying at the top, your stop is far away, risk is big. If you're selling at the bottom, your stop is way at the top of the range, your risk is big, and your probability is low, right? So here you have a trade with big risk and low probability. Um, so do I want to sell that strong bear bar at the bottom or buy that strong bull bar at the top? No, I'm doing the opposite. If I see a trading range and I see a strong bull bar at the top, I'm selling. You know, if it, has a, if it closes on its high, I'm selling, right? Because, you know, the guy who's buying has a big risk and low probability. So if I'm doing the opposite, I have much less risk and a high probability. So I think that is another problem that traders face. You know, um, I, I, I have what I call the 80% rule, um, my inertia rule, that 80% of the time, the market's going to continue to do what it's been doing. If it's trending, 80% of reversal attempts are going to fail. So you should not be looking for reversals. And if it's in a trading range, the market has inertia. It's going to continue in the range. 80% of breakout attempts up or down will fail. So instead of betting that a breakout will finally succeed, no matter how strong it looks, you have a better chance of making money if you start looking for trades in the opposite direction. Cool. And then just on that, so um, so you talk about probability a lot, and to be fair, it's the first time that anyone's actually mentioned, or actually maybe it's the second time anyone's mentioned on the show, um, the significance of probability. And so, so when you were automating your uh, strategies back in the day, was that something you would calculate on a regular basis within each strategy? Well, you know it. As soon as you do an automated trade and you get a result, you print out the result, you're going to see percent win, percent loss. So, you know, you quickly um, see probability, but I still think traders 
don't really pay much attention to it. I think I think when you when you're doing those uh, automations, you tend to focus on risk and reward. You know, how much do I how much do I win? How much do I lose? But um, every trade has three variables, not two, not risk reward. It's risk reward and probability. And I think understanding probability is crucial to being a trader. Like I said, during 90% of the bars in the chart, you can make money buying or selling. And the probability of making money, if I buy at any instant, right? I have and pick, let's say I pick a reward equal to my risk. So let's say I'm buying Apple and I'm risking $1 to make $1, to make $1. At any bar on the chart, you know, for 90% of the bars, I have uh, a, between, no worse than a 40% chance of making a dollar before losing a dollar, and no better than a 60% chance of making a dollar before losing a dollar. And as a trader, you're trying to uh, structure a trade to make the probability better or make the reward a little bit better. And you know, that's that's the art of trading. You know, you're always you know, you're trying to you're trying to work with the three variables to structure a trade that gives you the best uh, trader's equation. You know, I, I talk about the trader's equation all the time and it incorporates the three variables. You know, is, um, you know, is the probability of winning um, time? Well, I don't, I don't know, it'd be complicated to say, but basically you wanna make sure that, you know, your risk and reward and probability makes sense. You know, your probability of winning times your risk has to be uh, significantly greater than your probability of losing times your uh, how much you're risking on the trade. So, okay, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, cool. All right, so we're going to move on and to the next part of the show. So this is a part I like to call the technicals, and I'm going to run through twelve quick fire questions to help you, the listeners out there, understand what it takes to become a successful trader. So, are you ready, Al? Yes, I am. Okay, so how long did it take you to go from a trading newbie to consistently profitable? It took me 10 years. What's your mental approach to trading and what special techniques do you use to keep those emotions in check? Well, I think to be a successful trader, you know, I, I talk about the I don't care position size. I think the single best thing that a trader can do is get to the point where they truly don't care. And let, so if you're paper trading, you don't care, but you lie to yourself all the time. I used to lie to myself all the time when I paper traded. You know, and I'd say, oh, I, I really wouldn't have taken that trade, so I'm going to cross that one out. Or I, I should have, I really would have taken this trade and shown it to be a good winner. I put that in. Um, so it's really easy to lie when you're paper trading. But I think it's better to trade real money. For example, Forex is a good way to do it because um, you cannot lose a lot of money if you trade small, right? Um, so the best thing to do is get to a position size where you truly do not care. Get down to the I do not care size so that you can remain objective and do everything that you're supposed to do and just practice doing the right thing. Most traders quickly can figure out what they have to do. I gotta buy, I gotta sell, I gotta get out, I, you know, I gotta get in. And it just takes a lot of time practicing doing what you should be doing. And, you know, and I would do it with real money so that there is a little bit of pain if you lose and there's a little bit of happiness if you win. So, um, you know, I would, I would, I would trade the I don't care size, whatever size that is, um, I would trade it. And turning off your, um, turning off your uh, trade screen is sometimes helpful and that was some advice that was left by another um, 
interviewee uh, on the show. So keeping that away from your view so you can't actually see it. And so you don't know how much you've got at risk. And if you're, all you know is if you're up or down. Um, I okay. tried that the other okay. day and it seemed to work. Let me answer up a moment. Well, another thing I sometimes tell traders to do, a lot of traders exit too early. I tell them if they structure a pretty good trade and they have it on, let's say on the five minute chart, you know, place a bracket order in there, place the logical stop, place the logical profit target, maybe two times greater than the risk, and uh, go for a walk and come back in an hour. And, uh, you know, if you structure your trade correctly, I think you'll be surprised to find out that over time, you know, if you do it 10 times, you're, gonna, you, you're going to make money. So that's basically the equivalent thing of you're saying, what you're saying. Yeah. You know, don't look at it. Yep. Walk away. And uh, I had another guy on the show that literally trades in the morning. That's it. And he walks away. Well, he doesn't, he turns off everything. Doesn't have anything on his phone that he can check. It literally sort of excludes himself from his computer screen. So he doesn't know until the next day. And so whatever happens, happens. Um, right. So what's your favorite entry setup? Well, as I said, you know, I like, I think of the market in terms of the market cycle, uh, breakout channels and trading ranges. And I don't, I don't care which part of the cycle it's in. You know, you know I, I'm, I'm happy and I enjoy trading all of them. You know, on a given day, the breakout may be so exceptional that I'm really excited and happy about it. Other days, the trading ranges might be so predictable that I can make an incredible amount of money by just buying below prior lows, selling above prior highs. And then other times the channels are really broad uh, let's say it's a bull channel. I can sell every new high, scale in higher, and do really well, or buy 50% pullbacks of uh, of the prior leg and do really well. So for me, I don't have a favorite. You know, I'm just, you know, I just I, I trade whatever's in front of me, and I never, um, I never worry about what is not in front of me, and I'm I'm comfortable trading whatever the market is doing. What strategies do you use to exit and manage active trades? I usually enter um, limit orders, and based on the trader's equation, I know what the minimum reward I have to make on a given trade to take the risk that I'm, that I'm taking. You know, going into a trade, I know what, what my risk is. The first thing I think about on any trade is where do I have to put my stop, all right? And a lot of beginners put stops that are way too close, all right? And, you know, that's a, that's a, a really costly mistake. You know, I try to be objective, I look at the chart, and I know where my stop has to be. And once I know where my stop has to be, that's my initial risk. I know where my initial profit target has to be. Given that my probability of making money is between 40 and 60%, in general, I want my reward to be at least two times my um, initial risk. Once the trade starts going my way, I ignore initial risk, and I look at my actual risk. How many ticks did I actually have to risk to uh, stay in the trade at this point. And then I try to um, take a reward equal to two times that um, actual risk. If the probability of making profit is really, really high, if I'm trading during a strong breakout, I'm not gonna get uh, two times, uh, a reward equal to two times risk. Usually, if I have a high probability trade, I have to take a lower risk reward, which means I usually have to exit with um, a reward equal equal to risk instead of two times risk. Remember, if you're taking a high probability trade, you have to give something up, and that something is always risk reward. So if you have a very high probability trade, you have to uh, go for a relatively smaller reward relative to your risk. Cool. And what's your recommended must-read trading book? 
Well, I've written many. I've written many. I've written four books. Uh, that three-volume set that I uh, wrote several years ago um, has a—it's a pretty good summary of uh, how I view the market. And then beyond that, um, in terms of um, a fun book, you know, that um, that uh, that fictional book about um, you know, Dan, what's it called? You know, the Jesse Livermore book. Oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, it's been mentioned remember. on the show before many times. Um, Secrets so, of a stock market. stock trade or something like that. Yeah. That, that was a fun book. And then beyond that, you know, every book has something. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any one book that's so much better than all the others. Okay. If there was one thing you would recommend any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Um, I would, uh, first thing I would say is, decide figure out where stops have to be you know look at any chart and if i buy here or if i sell right here where do i have to put my stop and once you know where your stop is then you know what your position size has to be because you never want to risk more on on a trade than you typically are comfortable risking so the first thing i would just look at any chart okay i'm buying here wow that stop has to be far away if i buy here well, that's 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 the stop you have to use, and you have to trade small enough so that you're risking no more than you do on any other trade. But that that would be the first thing I would do is you know trying to get some sense of where I have to put my stop. Where where is the sensible stop? I really like that. That's a really good bit of advice. Um, what trading related internet resource like Bloomberg Bloomberg.com do you always use? Zero, nothing, nothing? because yeah. I, I, um, in terms of fundamentals, there was a show on in the United States, um, I forget what it was called, Money in Motion or something a few years ago, about uh, Forex trading. And you know, the, the guy or the gal would say, I'm going to buy the dollar yen or um, because um, you know Japan is doing such and such and the United States is doing such and such. And, and also, it's at a 50% retracement. And I said, wait a minute. You're not buying because of that stupid thing you just said about fundamentals. You're buying because it's at a 50% retracement. Every piece of fundamental information is already baked into price. Every institution knows the fundamentals far better than I can any ever know any fundamental. So, you know, someone say, I'm going to sell Brexit because, um, you know, uh, I'm going to sell the British pound because of Brexit, um, you know, because of Brexit. You know, that's nonsense. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to look to sell pullbacks, maybe, but I'm not simply just going to sell because of Brexit, right? I don't care about fundamentals. I, I don't care at all. They're totally baked into the market. All the institutions know them much better than I could ever know them. I don't care. But the, on the other hand, the institutions cannot hide their information. If the institutions as a group think that the market is going down, the, the market's going to go down. And I'm going to look to sell. If more dollars think that the market's going to go up, uh, the market's going to go up, and I'll see that, and I'm going to buy. So I don't care what the fundamentals are. You know, all the time, you know, you'll see stocks with bad earnings reports and they go up, or stocks with good earnings reports and they go down, or some fundamental thing that looks terrible. Japan's economy might be bad, but the yen starts going up. So I don't care what the fundamentals are. All I, I'm in this to make money, right? I'm in this to make money. And 
you know, I, and you know, I, I, if the market, if, if if the chart in front of me, if the price is going up, I want to buy. If the chart in front of me is going down, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell. I don't care why. I don't I don't care if it's due to some kid in Brazil eating an ice cream cone. I don't care. You know, I just care about you know, can I make money? Yeah. And knowing the fundamentals has nothing to do with me making money. What's the biggest mistake most retail traders make? I think the biggest one is uh, focusing on risk. All they think about is, oh, I worked so hard to get this money. If I lose this account, my wife will kill me or my husband will kill me and I'll never be allowed to trade again. And so uh, they focus on risk. I think that's the single biggest mistake. They end up using stops that are too tight. They end up taking trades that have really low probability. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Yeah, I... um, yeah, I can tell you that I use uh, interactive brokers a lot. I use TradeStation a lot, but I'm really not uh, up to date. Uh, I'm not qualified to, uh, you know, exp- to say what what is the best program out there. Um, I think both of them, TradeStation in, in particular, has a lot of legacy issues. Uh, they have very old software that they keep trying to fix, and instead they should just throw out the entire thing and, uh, you know, rewrite it for Windows 10. But I understand the economic reasons why they do not. You know, it's good enough. You know, but there, are, I'm sure there are a lot of others that are, are that are equally good. And if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, trust yourself. You know, learn to uh, to ignore everybody, all the experts on television, and just trust yourself. You know, develop the ability uh, to get confident about what you're reading on the chart, and also realize that. No matter how confident you are, 40% of the time, you're going to be wrong. So be always entirely open to the exact opposite of whatever you believe. And do not be surprised when it happens because it's going to happen at least 40% of the time. Okay, we'd like you, so this is the last question, we'd like you to give us the bones of a full trading strategy. So the entry setup, stop loss, take profit targets, market time frame, something our listeners can try it at home. What have you got for us there, Al? Okay, I'm going to give you one. Uh, which is probably the easiest to visualize as I'm speaking. So let's say the Forex market, the euro versus the dollar is totally flat. And then it breaks out and rallies uh, 100 pips over the course of the next 30 minutes. All right. What what do I think is going to follow? Do I think it's going to reverse or do I think it's going to go up? Probably at least a 60% chance that it's going to go up for 100 pips at some point later in the day. So I'm going to buy for any reason. I'll buy at the market, right? I'll buy below the low of the prior bar. I'll buy above the high of the prior bar. I'm going to buy for some reason. But my stop is going to be 100 pips away. It's going to be below the low of that bar. And I'm only going to buy that 100 pip breakout if it's well above the highs of uh, the past day or two or three. I want to make sure that it's truly broken out of everything. So we have a 100 pip breakout. I buy. My stop is 100 pips away. And... Uh, it's a high probability trade, so I need to get a reward equal to at least one time my risk. So I'm going to initially plan to take profit of 100 pips. Let's say we have a 20 pip pullback, and then the market starts to go up strongly again. Well, at that point, my actual risk turned out to be only 20 pips. So mathematically, I could exit with a, a 20 pip profit. However, because of the size of the breakout, I'm pretty confident that. I have a, a reasonable chance at making 100 pips. Mathematically, I can get out. I can get out at 100 pips. If my excuse me, at 20 pips, 
if my actual risk turned out to be only 20 pips, it's a high probability trade. So exiting with the reward equal to risk makes sense, but um, I'm gonna get 100 pips. I'll try to sit patiently and get 100 pips. Let me just say one thing about that. I had a friend years ago, I used to trade with him online for several years, maybe 15 years ago, and he would take a trade like that and he would place his stop in 100 pips below, he'd place his limit order in 100 pips above, and then he'd go take his mother out to the doctor's office for a couple hours, two or three hours, or he'd go out on the lake and, and canoe for a couple of hours, and then he'd come back. And part of it was he had things to do, and part of it was he wanted to make sure that he didn't interfere with what he knew was a logical thing to do when he put the trade on. Cool. And um, just on that, so so the so the twenty, so say it retraced twenty pips. Is that you'd say you'd enter there, or even, and then you'd you'd sort of enter at the at the end of the retracement, or you saying you'd enter at the hundred pip mark regardless? Well, let's say the market was racing up. Usually, I'm buying at the market, right? But let's say I just turn on the screen or happen to look at the chart and it's up 100 pips and I decide to buy right there. And the instant I buy, it starts to sell off. And 15, 20, 30 minutes later, it's down 20 pips, right? Yeah. Um, and I've already bought. So right now I have an open loss of 20 pips. My stop is still down there at 100 pips. However, if the market starts to go up and it goes above my entry and it goes up 20 pips more, right? Mathematically, at that moment, I can exit. And if I take that trade 100 times and manage it that way, I will make money because I have a reward equal to my risk and my probability is 60% or higher. Mathematically, that is a sound way to trade. So you can, you can exit with a reward equal to your risk as long as the probability is 60% or higher. And if you're buying uh, the market during a very strong breakout, the probability is 60% or more that you will, if you go for any risk and, and uh, any reward and the risk is equal to the, to the um, if the risk and reward are equal, you'll make money. So it doesn't matter if you're going for a 10 pip profit, you risking 10 pips. It doesn't matter if you're going for a 50 pip profit, risking 50 pips, you still have a 60% chance of, um, making um uh, m making your profit target before your stop is hit so mathematically if you if you take if you manage it that way every time go for a reward equal to your actual risk uh, it's a profitable strategy makes perfect sense thanks al um right before we wrap up what's the best way for traders to get hold of you through one of my websites like brookstradingcourse.com or brookspriceaction.com Usually I get so many emails now that, you know, I have uh, people handle most of the um, emails, but you know, if you're, if you're signed up for one or the other site, you know, you're able to post questions and I try to answer the questions online because a lot of times people will ask a question. I, what was happening with the emails is someone would ask a question two days later, someone would ask the same question two days later, someone would ask the same question and you know, it made more sense just to have people post the questions on the website and then I answer the question on the website so that everyone can see it. Cool. Well, a big thank you to Al for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are going to be in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Al in the search box on 52traders.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners a trading happiness and success.
Tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts? Introducing my Robot Builders Club. With our platform, you can build bots in minutes, not weeks, without any coding required. Get lifetime access to my video course, VIP community, and over 40 ready-made robots. Works with MT4 or MT5, and as a bonus, you'll get three months access to my Robot Lab, where we build and test bots on live calls every week. Join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter, not harder. Click the link in the description to learn more, get the free training, and download a free robot. All right, folks, there you have it. Interview done and dusted from 2016 of full things. Now, we've got a much more recent, like literally two or three weeks ago, I recorded a charting session with Al, and this is gonna blow your mind. Trust me, it is gonna blow your mind. It is absolutely awesome. He reads literally every single candle. So everything you've heard here in the interview, we talk about, we break it down, and even more, we go on to so, and so much more stuff. It is well worth going and checking that out. Now, there's a link below the video here if you're on the uh, YouTube channel or if you're listening in the podcast, go and check it out. Link in the description, and that video will be on that page. Other things to remind you of are the new things happening in the robot section of tradingnut.com. Go and check that out. Three new things up there at the moment. I know you're gonna love them. I'm not gonna tell you much more about them, just go and check them out after this and the other two things are yeah TradingView Pro go and check out Black Bull Markets they have a special offer there's a link under the video to that as well as for Delcrest if you want to take part in that 50k challenge if you think you can do it you get a chance to win a thousand bucks if you pass both stages costs you nothing uh, you get to come on Trading Nuts live stream channel and do your thing show people what you can do so if you're looking to grow a YouTube channel or something like that it could be perfect for you all right folks thank you for listening and watching and we'll see you in this Al Brooks video which is I've got to tell you it is awesome 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 you've got to go and check it out so we'll see you there otherwise we'll see you in some other video here on Trading Nut